0: You know those are uh, pretty remarkable words we just sang, and uh, you know in many ways they're heart of where we want to where we want to get to, at the heart of where we want to get to as followers of Jesus, that we so trust Christ that we're able to surrender everything to Him. It's a remarkable thing for a human being to get to that place, and uh, I hope as you sing the words you. You recognize what you're saying and singing, and I hope you mean it to the bottom of your heart, because when we get to that place where we surrender everything to Jesus, the Bible says we find life, life, and life eternal. So um, yeah, take these songs to heart, please, and and, uh, mean every word, mean every word. Well, we've been talking in the last few uh, weeks about being a thriving church. I think we've got a pretty good church, right? But uh, as we move forward, we want to thrive, we want to grow and deepen and and, and and make our encounter of God everything that it can possibly be. Um, we've we've talked about uh, getting uh, uh, to uh, our dream destination. You remember a few weeks ago, we used the Up movie, which illustrated uh, Mr. Fredrickson uh, h- attaching helium balloons to his house and floating and flying down to Paradise Falls and South America, you know, he had a dream with his wife to get there and he did it, did everything in his power to make it happen. And I hope we as a church can have the sense of a dream destination grow more and more over these next weeks and months and we can come to a place where we know what it is God is calling us to and that we will do everything in our power to get to where he wants us to be. At the heart of vision, no matter what it looks like in kind of external ways, is being a, congregation with a which is filled with people who have a heart for god and they are thriving in their relationship with him um we've used the up and the in and the out model uh, over the over the last couple of weeks uh, we, the up being you know we we develop our relationship with god we love him deeply we're passionate we surrender all to him our faith expands and grows we get that up relationship right I mean, we talked last week about the in um, and by the way, if you're part of a life group, small group anywhere in our church, and if, if you weren't here, please go and listen to that sermon, because I think God showed up in a significant way last Sunday. And it, if we can just take hold of that thing on its own, it'll transition and change our church. But uh, the in is the idea of developing significant relationships within, among ourselves, Um, Of really coming to that place where we enter a deep biblical community where we're open and honest, even to the point of vulnerability in our relationships with one another. Because when we are so, Jesus will show up among us and he will heal us and he will help us overcome sin. He will change our lives. Big deal. The up and the in. and And we're going to spend this morning talking about out. And what that looks like in terms of being a thriving church. And I would like to suggest for us to thrive as a church, it is absolutely critical that we engage the out. That we develop relationships with people in our community. That we learn to love such people. that We serve them and we find the opportunity when we get to know them of sharing the message of Jesus with them. Now, that all might sound very good. If I was asked everybody to say, do you, do you agree with everything I just said? I think most of us will go, oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, good preacher brother, go for it man. Excellent. Here's my contention. I don't think a lot of Christians believe what I just said. Because this is what is so, so common. A lot of people get into the up and they think that's enough. A lot of people develop a relationship with God. They come to faith in Jesus. They know God is their father. Um, They come to church to worship God on a Sunday morning. You know, have a little, you know, the devotions at home, prayer, Bible study. They think that's good enough. Um... And there and there are some people who will add to that the in. You know, I've heard Chris preach about community long enough, and I'm gonna become part of a life group or a small group with the men's women's ministry or the women's ministry. I'm gonna develop some community and, and meet Christ there. That I'll do. But out? There, there are lots of folks who, who kind of envision, and I think it's because of the way the church has been for generation upon generation now. I certainly grew up with this dynamic and this reality that up is critical, and in is good, and it's really important in its own right. We've learned that, but you don't really have to do out. Uh, you know, the idea is that, that it's almost optional or maybe even unnecessary. It's a good thing if you want to do it, but I'm up. And i get a pretty good in thing going. That's enough. I'm here to tell you that that's not what the Bible says. It's not. That that up, in, and out is the biblical way. and, And, you know, I want you to know why the out is so absolutely critical for us to really encounter God and to be everything that he calls us to be. Now, we've established already that up and in come before out, right? If there's no up, if you're not in a relationship with God, it's not likely you're going to bother with out why would you? Other priorities, other interests, other concerns, and so forth. But you see, the more we grow in our upper relationship, the more we become like Jesus, who was so out there when he was on earth, it's hard for us to grasp, honestly. Hard for us to take hold of and truly understand. But you see, by growing in our upper relationship, we start thinking like Jesus, and we start to value the things that he valued and values still. We start, to, we start to love the people that Jesus loved and loves still. We start to see with the eyes of Jesus the needs of this world. And because of our thinking and our valuing and our loving and our seeing, we will start to act like him. It's an inevitable development of the up relationship. How much are you like Jesus? That, that's kind of the question, right? How much am I like Jesus? But when we become like him, we'll get out. And we'll prioritize this and we'll take hold of it with passion. And I want to tell you, if, if, if we need the up relationship in order to get out, we also need the in relationship in order to get out. I'm going to play with some of these relationships this morning. We need deep, strong, loving, biblical community if we're going to get out in any kind of effective way. Think about this for your own life. Let me take you to Luke chapter 10, verse 1. It's the first verse in the chapter that we're going to uh, consider today. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two, ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. (laughs) He sent them out. And he didn't send them out one by one. Because Christianity is not a... Say it again? I said it last week and the week before. It's not a solitary activity. Over and over and over again, when Jesus sends people out, they're never alone. In this instance, it's two by two. I thought about it. You know, 72 people... Go on to all these communities. He could have doubled the number of communities he was about to impact through his people if he had sent them out one by one, but he didn't. He sent them out two by two. And it's always that way in scripture. It's never a solitary dynamic, it's never something we do on our own. Jesus decided to, to uh, come and change the world and live for three years in ministry, and he gathered 12 people about him. Jesus and the twelve. Paul decided to go to the Gentile world. He would take, it was Paul and Barnabas, or Paul and whoever it might be in the moment. It was never alone. And there's this, there's this dynamic about Scripture that says, do this together, do it in community. Don't do it just on your own. And I know there are lots and lots of reasons why this is the reality in Scripture, but here's one of the ones as we talk about out today that I want to highlight. Here's a very simple fact, and you can tell me whether you agree or not, it is a very hard thing to do out on your own. You ever thought that? It's hard to do out on your own. You know, sometimes you think, oh, I'm going to act for Jesus, and I'm going to go into a community or in a neighborhood, or I'm going to go to an organization, and I'm going to represent Christ. But all of a sudden, there are fears. What, what people, when I identify with him, what will they say? What will they think? There, there are uncertainties about how to move and how to proceed and so forth. But I want to tell you, my friends, together, things are entirely different. And I want you to think when I say together. I want you to think fellowship like we talked about last week. Deep unity and connectedness. We're joined together because we're united in Jesus And things are different in that place. You know, in in a group of people, you can pray together to discern God's will. You can come before him and say, Lord, where do you want us to go? How do you want us to act? What do you want us to do? And as a group of people pray and as a group of people discern, you can figure out God's will together pretty well. You can come together and you can gain confidence and courage and strength because you're not alone in terms of going out. It gives you an encouragement. You do get more brave, if you would, because you're not on your own as you, as you decide to venture out. You know, you can have a shared passion. You can identify together something that you're all really excited and committed about and committed to. You can increase impact because you're part of a togetherness and part of a group because, you know, you go with a multitude of gifts, gifts that every single person possesses, spiritual gifts, not just you and your own. It's a multitude of gifts, and it's going to make greater impact. You can celebrate victories together. You can process struggles and even failures together. You don't have to do that on your own. You can learn to share your faith story in a safe, small group environment. You can learn to talk about what Jesus means to you uh, so that when you get out into the out context, you're going to be able to do it there. If you wait until you get out and and you begin to talk, it'll be blah, 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 blah. But if you, be, if you have a place where you can share that story and learn to express your faith verbally, internally, it's a fantastic thing. And I want to tell you, when you do really connect with people relationally, when, when, when they start to appreciate the love of God that they find in you and start to hear, understand, and they're open to the message of Jesus, then you have a place to bring them back to. You can incorporate them into your group. You see, the bottom line is this. There is something about being part of a group of people which causes us to do what we wouldn't do on our own. That's just a, isn't that just a given fact? There is something about being part of a group of people which causes us to do something that we would not do on our own. So my friends, we need the up in order to go out. We need the in in order to go out. They're both essential in terms of us fulfilling the call of God. But here's what I really want to emphasize today. If we really want to encounter God... You know, can I ask this of you? If you really want to encounter God in a profound and a life life changing way, I want to suggest that you will never get there without the out. I would go so far as to say there is something significantly lacking in our lives in our relationship with God if we are not engaged in the out. And I'm going to go back to Luke chapter 10 and we'll dig in. Luke chapter 10 verses 2 to 9 says this. He Jesus told them, "The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few." In other words, Jesus is saying there's tons of need out there, but not many people are going out, right? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you, say it with me, out like lambs among wolves. There it is, you 72 or so. There it is. There's the command. There's the teaching. There's the call to every single one of us. Note, by the way, this isn't just to the apostles, the great leaders of the church. This was 72 regular folks. I would imagine the 12 were part of them, but they were regular folks then too. You know, Jesus is saying to us, this is the call. Let's carry on. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Build relationship. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you and then this. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. You want to know what our basic instruction is when we go out? It's that. Recognize where there is brokenness. Recognize where there is hurt. Recognize where people are struggling. Recognize where people need healing, whether it be physical or spiritual or emotional, whatever it might be, and go and do everything in your power to bring wholeness into the life of that person. You know, we just sang about we need to go out and feed the hungry. That's it. This is it. We've got to do everything in our power to bring the salvation of God, even in a physical sense, into that person's life. And then it says, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Tell these people that you encounter, God has come to us. God is with us. God can make a huge difference in your life. You we are to say to folks, are invited into his kingdom, into this realm where Christ is king. You can enter into a relationship with God through the person of Jesus. And when you do that, you will know his presence in your life and his peace and his goodness. You will know his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness. He will be there for you and with you in every circumstance of life. See, this is the invitation that we are called to give to people. We are to go out so that we can bring healing and we can tell them that the kingdom has come. Just tell them. Um, key then comes we're going to jump 17 to 20 now verse 17 to 20 this really really key stuff here the 72 had gone out and they were now returning to jesus and listen to what they said the 72 returned with joy and said lord even the demons submit to us in your name any demons ever submitted to you in the name of jesus as you've exercised his power and authority i'm not kidding These people experienced this. The power of God flowed and the demons obeyed them as they spoke in Jesus' name. He replied, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Whoa! He has given these people and us authority to overcome all the power of the enemy? Anybody really believe that here? Do you know the potential that you have in your life? To bring the kingdom of God into this world as you band together with others of similar reality? Wow! Nothing will harm you, Jesus said. However, do not rejoice that your submit, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. <laughs> this is what the people of God do. This is who they are. This is their purpose. See, my friends, this is so, so important for us to grasp and to understand as we seek to thrive as a congregation that the kingdom of god when these people went out when these people exercised the authority of Christ the kingdom of god came in power it changed people's lives it changed this world god showed up as these people as i have said <coughs> excuse me exercised the authority given to them by jesus evil was overcome in people's lives evil was overcome and evil fled from some individual people's lives because of what they did All kinds of remarkable things happened, I'm sure, in terms of healing and in terms of conversion, in terms of restored relationships, etc., etc. If we can go back to 17, please. And do you know how I know? It doesn't say it here, but what it does say in verse 17 is, Lord, even the demons submitted to us, even that happened as we went in obedience and exercised your authority. So what else happened? We're not sure. But these people come back and they had this remarkable experience of God because they were obedient and had engaged the out. What was the result? What does it say? <laughs> 72 returned with joy. Joy. We talked last week, when we get the in right? We find that place of deep connection with people and openly share a lot. We find joy. What happens when we go out? When we go out in Jesus' name and see evil flee and lives are changed, what do we encounter? We encounter Joy. So says scripture to us. You see, the, re- the, the reality is, if you want to see God alive and active and moving, setting people free, powerfully at work in and through your life, it happens in the out. Did you know that? That's, that's, that's what happened here with these people. And they were overjoyed because of it. Our faith will explode, your faith will explode, and you will know joy when you see God working in this way in and through your life. Tremendous potential and possibility. You see, the out takes us to an experience of God that we'd never get to if we stayed only with the up and with the in. But you know where a lot of Christians live, and you know how a lot of Christians, uh, Christian churches function. With the up, and in the in. You know, a couple of years ago, and then I think about a year ago too, uh, IPC, we were invited to participate in a missional endeavor that we were engaged in downtown Woodstock. Um, Ted Gilverson, and many of you know Ted, he's often here, he's not today. He usually sits right there. So now everybody knows Ted's not with us. But... uh, he has bought a bunch of houses downtown Woodstock, uh, and he's made them available as affordable housing to people who are really struggling economically and otherwise. They're disadvantaged folks, the people who are struggling with life. And uh, Ted, and, and, and with Joyce's help, our staff person, uh, said, IPC, come and join us because we're going to form community here. We're going to reach out. We're going to go there. We're going to love these people in Jesus' name. And what they did was they started a meal on a Tuesday night, uh, Ted intended to do far more than just provide housing to people. He also wanted to build relationships with them and communicate Christ's love and truth to them. Um, And and in the end, it was Ted and and, and, and Joyce who took up the challenge. Um, Some other people joined them from other congregations. But what they decided to do was on a Tuesday night provide a meal. And I know some of us here, uh, some of you have taken meals, and that's that's fantastic. But, But they would have a meal together, they would... Um, sit down and get to know one another they would build relationship with one another and then they would have a devotional time they would take out a passage of scripture and for about 15 minutes no longer those folks couldn't take more than 15 minutes um, of that (laughs) they would talk about jesus and then they would pray together and and so forth and and i want to tell you my friends because of what they have done the power of christ has overcome evil in people's lives that's just a bottom line fact. There's a young guy there who someday we maybe will have here. I don't know. A uh, young guy in his early 20s. Um, alcoholic, I guess still, although he's not drinking anymore. And also a guy who's been in prison. Um, and of course now is out. But young guy there who met Jesus Christ. And as, as people went out and as people exercised the authority of Jesus, can we have verse 17 up again, please? Um, there was an experience of of, uh, of Jesus overcoming the power of evil in this guy's life. This guy ha- not only has been converted, he has grown in his faith, and now he is the one who teaches the Bible studies to these people who tend to be on the street, let's say. And he speaks with uh, incredible effectiveness because he knows exactly where they're coming from, and he knows exactly how to speak to them so that the Word of God is being spoken into their minds and into their hearts. And what we trust and believe is that The authority of Jesus will drive evil from more lives down there. You know, what I hear from Joyce is, God is at work in that place. And I want to tell you, that produces joy in her and in Ted and the others who are involved. You see, my friends, the kingdom comes when people become like Jesus, when they think as he thinks, value the things that he values have a heart for people in the way that Jesus has a heart for people, sees the need that is out there and it's plentiful, and then goes, acts, lives in such a fashion that is consistent with what's going on inside them. When people become like Christ, we get out there, and when people become like Christ, they exercise authority and lives are changed and evil is overcome by the power of God. I'm here today to ask you this question. How many of you would love to be a part of something like that. We will thrive when we're engaged in that, in large measure. I want to tell you, because we will see God come alive, and we will see God do incredible and powerful things, and we will know joy, and our faith will expand exponentially, and we will be transformed. You know, the possibility is Uh, that we can play it safe as followers of Jesus. We can stay in the up and live in the in and leave the out alone. Or we can step into the out and enter into an adventure with God. My mind goes back to the movie Up. You know, grumpy old Mr. Stevenson, I hope if you hadn't seen the movie two weeks ago, you took my advice and went and watched it somehow. Somehow. So you have some kind of visual. I can't show you the whole movie. Wouldn't that be fun? Come to church and watch up all morning? That's not a bad idea. I like that. But um, Mr. Stevenson was about to be carted away to Shady Oaks' retirement living, home. And he could have played it safe. He could have, um, you know, lived a comfortable life. Somewhat tepid life, maybe, but comfortable. All his needs met. You know, get to know some nice folk. But you know, instead, he chose an adventure. Um, He chose to live his dream by getting his house elevated and off to Paradise Falls. He did it. He battled the evil bad guy. Don't remember his name right now. You know? And he won. He engaged in death-defying activities high above the ground on a blimp, on the exterior of the blimp. And my friends, I want to tell you, he grew. He moved well beyond his old dream, which he had shared with his wife, to embrace a new dream and a new vision and a new life. And I want to tell you, that sounds kind of biblical to me. And he did this all because he chose to live the dream, not to play it safe. God has a dream for us. And it includes the out. See, my friends, I would say to you, the Word of God says that up is fantastic and critical and great. We encounter Jesus, and through Him we encounter God the Father. It's a beautiful, remarkable thing for a human being to find. And the Bible says that the in is a critical and a wonderful thing too, where we encounter Jesus in profound and unique ways whereby we are made whole. But I say to you too, the Bible says that out is essential for us and for this world of ours. And if we want to know and encounter God and be caught up in what God is doing in the world, we need to embrace the out. I want to tell you this, IPC, those of you who consider this home, those of you who consider yourselves to be part of IPC, this is why we exist. Up, in, out. Um, think of a three-legged stool, would you? Can you picture them? I don't, you don't see them so much anymore, but they're usually kind of short and they have three legs. What happens if you, you, know, you can sit on the three-legged stool, pretty solid, it fulfills its purpose, it does what it was created to do, you can sit on the thing. What happens if you take one of those legs away? I was actually trying to find a way where I could get a three-legged stool and ask you to come and somebody to sit on it, then take away a leg and then ask you to sit on that, but of course you couldn't because it would already be on the floor, Right? The third leg allows the stool to function in a way it was created to function. The third leg allows the stool to be what it was always intended to be. And what we need is balance. We need the three legs of the stool, the up, the in, and the out, in order to be everything that God calls us to be, everything God longs for us to be. So IPC, I want to tell you, that's why we exist I want to say to each one of you here who, cl- who claim the name of Jesus, that's why you exist also. Grapple with this if you need to. You exist to have an up relationship with God. You exist to be in community together, but you also exist to be used by God so that you might exercise the authority of Jesus in the overcoming of evil in this world. And he will use you if you just say yes to the out. Some of you might not believe that, But I hope you will, (laughs) because that's what the book says. Let me say this, too. All of our small groups at IPC, we exist. These groups, life groups, men's ministry, small groups, women's ministry, small groups. That we exist, these groups exist for all three, the up, the in, and the out. And we need to find balance, and we we need to discover the out, because I think we do pretty well at the first two, or are increasingly finding that dynamic at play in us. But we need all three in order to be what God has created these groups to be, literally. It's his intention for us. It's his plan for us. It's his desire for us. Up is great. In is fabulous. Oh, we don't need the out. No big deal. No. It is a big deal. For there we will encounter God. There we will encounter God. Here's my suggestion to you, and I, I, I speak specifically to the small group leaders and participants, life groups, men's, women's groups. Sit down together and discuss the purpose of your group, will you? Will you take, will you take a whole evening to talk about why you exist? We have covenant forms that we have you fill out. You, we, you know, We establish ground rules and we set goals for groups. Will you set goals for the up and for the in and for the out as well? You know, will will you come together maybe even this week and say, you know, God, as, as a prayerful group, what are you calling us to? Open our eyes so that we can see what Jesus sees. Let us see need, whether it be spiritual, whether it be emotional, whether it be physical. God, just give us the heart of Jesus so that we can see the need, which is, according to the Lord, plentiful. You know, the fields are ripe for harvest. There's tons of need out there. Let us see what we are called to, specifically by you, Revealing that to us. And when you can uh, target a particular group of people where need exists, it could just even be a neighborhood. It could be a village like Innerkip. It could be an untold number of things. Then get, it, get together and say, Okay, let's do this together. Spend one of your evenings once a month just serving and loving people, building relationships. And can I say this, by the way? What we're not talking about are one-time events. Where we go in and we serve once and then we walk away and we leave it alone. There's no relationship building in that. Did you see Jesus in his instruction? He said, you go into a town and when you find receptivity, go into that home and stay there. Build a relationship there. And you know in the Jewish context, what, what hospitality and eating together meant? It meant a lot. And you know, once we, once we can find that group, we start to serve them on a regular and ongoing basis and we start to get to know the people like Ted and Joyce did downtown and we start to love them, and they start to see the love of God in us, and we have the opportunity because of trust to start sharing Jesus, we can talk. People can come to believe. My friends, can, can we as, as small groups in this church build this in to who we are and why we exist and what we are about? Someone has suggested, and I think it's a fabulous idea for us as a church to consider addressing the Tragedy that's happening in Europe right now with the Iraqi refugees. Somebody wrote to us and said, "Why don't we, as a church, um, sponsor a couple of families, bring them over here? Like remember the Vietnamese boat people in the '70s? I actually remember that. My church up in Midland, we did that. You know, we brought a family over. We loved them. We cared for them. And what you do is, you know, the government's now facilitating this." Uh, this possibility where you, you, know, you establish a place for people to live and you welcome them into their new home and you, maybe, and you help them get established, maybe help them find a job, help them understand the Canadian culture, build relationships over time. You pray for these people and you stand back and you watch what God does. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, don't take a tunic or a coat and all that. He says, it's not about what you bring to the process. It's not about the resources that you can offer. You just get out there and love people and watch what I do. I'll take care of the salvation portion of this. I'll open eyes of faith. I'll make people receptive to you. Just go and do it. And I'll work in profound and powerful ways. Now, we only have one mechanism whereby we might be able to bring Iraqi families, couple, to IPC. You know what that is? Our life groups, small groups. We don't have any other mechanism. What about some of the life groups in our church saying, hey, after prayer please. <laughs> That's maybe something God wants us to do. Maybe we can band together and we can pray and we can work and we can do the paperwork and we can finance it, and we'll do whatever is required in order to get these people here so we can just love them in the name of Jesus. And if you're a little group, maybe find another group and do it with another little group. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be awesome? Because love would come to life in us. You know, uh, just by way of conclusion, then we're gonna, well, let's have the band come up now. There's a song that they're going to they're going to sing for us. It's called Love Come to Life by Big Daddy Weave. I'm a Big Daddy Weave fan, you know. And and, and there's a conviction that I have that there are many people in this world, many Christian people in this world, and their hearts are filled with love because they know Jesus. They just do. <laughs> But there's, there's a great struggle and difficulty, pr- difficulty, particularly in our culture, about somehow transitioning the love that dwells in our hearts and actually bringing it to life and activating it in this world. Um, that's the possibility that I'm talking about. I have heard, by the way, that 72% historically of resettled refugees into Canada are resettled by churches or church-related organizations, Christian ministries which is, I think, an incredible thing. And it's just sitting before us. It's an opportunity waiting to happen. The eyes of faith of someone in this church, was o- they were opened. <laughs> and they said, there is a need. Let's do something about it. Let's love people in Jesus' name. Let's pray for them. Let's work. Let's sacrifice. Let's give. Let's do whatever is required to get out. To get out. Maybe today... God will be touching some hearts, and that might be something that we, that we engage. I want you to listen to this song. Um, and I want to see if it, brings, if it finds resonance in your soul, because it finds resonance in mine as we think about becoming everything that we can be for Jesus.